Well, I feel like this is going to be a great episode of the Truck Show Podcast. How are you feeling about it? What? <laughs> Are you talking? Did you start the show? Yeah. Look, look oh. see the big record button right here? It's no, lit up red. I, I, I can't see it from over here. Oh, really? No. Well, we're there's recording. Eight, there's eight microphones, a laptop, uh, uh, a Yeti full of pens. I get it. I By get the way, it. Who else has a Yeti? Uh, koozie? What, what is that? Uh, a Tumblr. A, a Yeti tumbler. Tumblr? They're just using it to house uh, uh, a knife, mm-hmm. uh, scissors, uh, highlighter. Are you and saying a bunch we're spoiled? I, I guess. I mean, I just feel like. I, Nope. There's a better use for this tumbler? Yeah, drinking. But apparently we use it for pens. I, it just well, is what I, it is. It's because we have a couple of them, and the other one is, uh, well, it could be used for whiskey behind you. By the oh, way, that be. is quite a whiskey collection you have there. Yeah, I There's have some bourbons and some whiskey. Yeah? Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's most of the stuff that we uh, that Mike and I were drinking, and I just haven't rotated it out yet. Okay. So I was really excited because uh, the, uh, oh, you'll be excited about this. Well, first of all, the other chairs came in for the studio, but we can't use them tonight because uh, they're pink. <laughs> Why are I, they pink? Because the picture online didn't match the picture in person. So, uh, our two someone other needs chairs. to color correct their monitor. I, well, no, they're just totally different. It's not even close. Hmm. They look like br- uh, you know brick red, and they Did came out. Did you buy like, them out from HelloKitty.com? Yes, I don't get it. Yes, yours has a little cartoon girl cat on <laughs> okay, it. Okay, good. Uh, I'd it, rock that. I know you would. Uh, the thing you will be happy about is uh, tomorrow the mini split goes in. Oh, so we're going to have some heat and or air conditioning. But either or. Okay. It'll do both. All right. So uh, that's sitting in the garage right now. And then I got to get a uh, got to get a little shelf over there for uh, for some books and uh, whiskey. All right. Well, uh, enough about whiskey on this episode. No, 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 no. What, what, how, how dare you? Enough about whiskey? Well, this well, is not the whiskey show. It's the Truck Show podcast. It's so. Do you want me to stop talking about guns and meat, too? A little bit. Well, that's lame. <laughs> what are we so, going to talk about? Uh, we're going to talk about- Unibody uh, pickup trucks? No, Tyler Garrett from Tom's 4x4 Superstore, uh-huh. because he swaps- Oh, you know, I'm not going to spoil it. All right. I almost blew it. I'm going to surprise you with it. As is- He puts big engines in for the little vehicles. All right. Uh, then let's uh, let's start with uh, something that you said last week. Are you talking about uh, the most popular sport that's sweeping the nation? No, but I am talking about people responding to you claiming that if uh, they found a frontier in the wild, you would uh, give them a sticker. You're talking about hashtag frontier spotting. All right, so uh, we've got one here. You from... went no credit for frontier spotting. Uh, I'm the one who came up with that. So, <laughs> so what am I supposed to give myself credit? I just, I just stole it. Uh, all right, frontier spotting. Uh, here's one from Jake P. Says, "Hey, you goofy goobers! Just started to make my way through the latest episode and saw Frontier parked outside my local Friedman's Home Improvement. A few episodes ago, I posted a review on Apple Podcasts, but a Porsche got cut off. What I meant to say was, keep doing the Lord's work. Thanks, Jake P." He says, uh, also keep up the good work, mounting those parameters. Mm-hmm. Mounter, monitor, key, engine, parameters. The show hasn't and even officially started, and sure, we're already mounting our parameters. And sure enough, there is a frontier in a parking lot, but he does not leave his uh, his address for us to send him a sticker. So uh, no sticker for you. All right, got this one here from uh, Jay Romy. says, does a picture of a frontier from within your own frontier while listening to your podcast count? Yes. Jason. Yeah, I I think that's like a Frontier Inception or something like that. So yep, uh, hashtag Frontier Spotting. All right, so he sent he sent that, but again, no address to send a sticker. So no sticker for you. All right, and uh, well, are you the soup Nazi now? Yeah, no, no I'm soup s- for you, sticker Nazi. 
So Jeffrey Brown says, hey guys, here's a picture of a new frontier from a work truck that I took while listening to the podcast. Of course it was while stopped at a stoplight. And of course he's got a picture here. Sure enough, there's a new uh, frontier. Drive there it around. is. That's it. Hashtag uh, frontier spotting. And also no address, so oh, no sticker for you. Guys, you got to give us your address. Where am I going to send it? How about, I need uh, to physically write your address on the envelope. Tyler Manzel was listening to the latest episode when I took this photo. And from the uh, dashboard of his vehicle is a new frontier. There it is. Driving down the road. And, of course, uh, no physical address. So no sticker for you. Hashtag frontier spotting. Please include the address in which I should send it. All right. And uh, Scott Hero says, hey, guys, love the pod. I've been listening since episode one. I'm sending you a picture of a new frontier I saw this morning. Also, pics of a Volvo I lifted at work at Ratchet's Off-Road. So they got a Volvo, uh, looks like XC90, uh, lifted up. A wagon. That's pretty rad. But even radder would be the frontier that's in his rearview mirror. Of course, no uh, address. So Lightning Come can't on, send guys. you a sticker. So no sticker for you! <laughs> so thank you. I mean, that- Everybody write back, please, and give me your addresses. All right? I will legitimately... I have a stack you of think, stickers. You think they just didn't do it because they didn't believe us? I mean, I, I think I that's, mean, it's possible. It's I have lied a lot about sending things. <laughs> yeah, but valid. I'm telling you, I actually have the stickers, and I will send them. Well, I won't. My wife will. You know what I feel... They're they're gonna here's what I feel bad about is our, our friend up in Canada who sent us all the can- uh, Canadian snacks. Mm-hmm. I still owe him some stuff, but... I got laid off right after all that stuff happened, and I was not able to send them. So he's listening now, going, you a-holes owe me some stuff from America. So uh, I'm going to have to add that to the list of I'm uh, fine sending with that. that out. Because I'm fine with that. He gave I us can afford delicious, the, uh, cheesy e- Even snacks. with customs, what's like an extra dollar or two or something? Yeah, I mean, we, whatever. Yeah, we got to send him a shirt we, and we stickers, got you. though. We got you. Anyway. All right. You guys are listening to the Truck Show Podcast. And if you're listening to the Truck Show Podcast, you got to have a truck. And there's uh, no reason why you shouldn't have a Nissan truck. All right. So do what these folks did. Well, at least the ones driving the trucks in the photo that our listeners took through their... Of other trucks. trucks. Whatever. (laughs) Listen, you need a truck. A Nissan's a great truck. Head on down to your local Nissan dealer. You can check them out in person or head over to NissanUSA.com where you can build in price. The Nissan Frontier is one of the best-looking mid-sized trucks on the market. Super durable and reliable. And if you need something bigger, they've got the Titan and the Titan XT with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And that truck that you're sitting in while you took a photo of the Nissan Frontier, that Hold truck? On. I need a I need a flow chart. <laughs> right. The truck you're uh-huh. sitting in while you took the picture of the Frontier, assuming right. you're sitting in a diesel, then you need something from no, wherever. No, no, no. It could be gas. Okay. It could be gas. It could be gas. Okay. It could be All a right. turbo gas for that Ooh. matter. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So if that truck that you're in really has a case of the sluggies, like it just won't get out of its own way, right? You hit the gas right. pedal and you like... You can count to 100 before you get to 60 miles an hour. Yeah. You need a Banks Pedal Monster. Gets rid of the turbo lag, mush pedal, gone. And becomes as responsive as a truck with a throttle cable right to the carburetor. How about a truck that weighs 1,000 pounds less? <laughs> it feels like a sports car Is when it you're done. Easier with to do burnouts. Monster. Accidentally, potentially, yes. Okay. Yeah. All right. Go to bankspower.com, type in your year, make and model, and see if there is a patented pedal monster for your truck. Or car. And if you're a business owner and you need help with your website or with your social, either SEO or just getting the word out, you want to head over to fullmoondigital.com and talk to our friend Derek and uh, and his team. They can help you optimize your website, your SEO, your social, so that your message gets out and you get a whole slew of new clients like we are here at the Truck Show Podcast. We have new clients? Yep. Oh, really? And I'm going to say it's all thanks to Full Moon Digital. <laughs> okay. I like that. <laughs> the Truck Show. 
We're gonna show you what we know. We're gonna answer what the truck. Cause truck rides with the truck show. We have the lifted, we have the lowered, and everything in between. We'll talk about trucks that run on diesel and the ones that run on gasoline. The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. It's the truck show with your hosts, Lightning and Holman. Holman, uh, how are you feeling about calling Chattanooga, Tennessee? Uh, I'm not into it. No? Just abort the whole segment? Yeah, basically because this guy's trying to make other guys have Jeeps as cool as mine. <laughs> and it's I not, like I like not having, really fair, really? I like having the coolest one. Okay, I don't want to spoil it. Okay, I won't spoil it. I think you'll like him. Maybe you won't. I'm not saying I'm not going to like him. I'm okay. just saying that he he's goes against everything that my hard-earned uh, cash has uh, has given to me. You oh that's true. Exclusivity. That's and, true. You will lose cool. well, I, yeah. listen. You will lose some exclusivity to him, yes. but he's on the other side of the country. Uh, it's like if right. you if you're driving through Chattanooga or if he well, was, I might be. If if he was shipping Jeeps and other high-performance mm. trucks here, mm. you'd feel like, "Ah, get your stuff out of my backyard." But I think he's I don't know. Well, let's find out. Let's dial uh, Mr. Tyler Garrett. Hello. Tyler, Lightning Holman, Truck Show Podcast. How you doing? What's happening? Oh, I'm doing well, guys. How are you guys in this evening? Fantastic. Thank you for staying up with us. Uh, we've got a quick jingle to play, so don't move. What's in the shop? What's in the shop? Just what's in your shop? I feel like I'm I'm kind of turning against that that particular intro shop Why? talk. Do you like I, it? I, I still like it. You like it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. How do you feel about it, Tyler? <laughs> It's a little catchy. Yeah, see? Okay. Exactly. So, Tyler, if you, I don't think you know. Tyler didn't even know that the show existed of until this didn't. afternoon when I called right. him. Tyler, every single guest gets their own unique intro that fits their... Well, that's e- not... Well, now you make it sound like we made that just for him. No, well, no, no. Okay, what, that's not true. What you're trying to say is oh, that okay. we have 20 intros and we'll find the one that fits you best. Now, why don't you play that's the other... accurate, yes. Why don't you play the other one that you wanted to play for him? Entrepreneur? Uh, whatever you want. Well, I feel that Tyler's an entrepreneur, so we'll play that one. Hold on. What? I feel like that one fits him better. You know, there, there will always be another crappy job. <laughs> Tyler could go do, he's, he's talented and handy. But I heard he doesn't do crappy jobs. No, I he hear doesn't. he does amazing jobs. That's true. Yeah. That's what I hear. So, Tyler Garrett, you are at, well, there's two businesses, Tom's 4x4 Superstore. But more importantly, I think why we care is you are like Mr. Hellcat Swap guy. And you have rock-solid fabrication or rock-solid motorsports down there in Chattanooga, Tennessee. That's correct. How did you get started? What's the quick backstory for our listeners to understand where you came from and how you know what you're doing? So if we go way back, I am uh, currently 33 years old. Uh, My grandfather was a mechanic 
for um, a company called South Central Bell. And that was a phone company in Cleveland, Tennessee. And they turned into Bell South, which turned into AT&T. And everybody knows who AT&T is. So, sure. Anyway, since I was about five years old, um, my grandfather would, you know, he would be off from work early. And so he would pick me up from school and he had a shop at his, uh, on his farm. So I would go there and just piddle around and play around in the shop. And, uh, so I've literally grown up just tinkering and working on stuff. And, um, when I was a little bit older, probably, uh, early teenager, adolescent, somewhere in there, my uncle, um, got a subscription to Peterson's four wheel and off road magazine. And, uh, my grandfather would use Jeeps on the farm, and uh, so I would play with Jeeps on the farm, and then my uncle started getting those magazines, and he would give them to me, and I would read them, and uh, it really got me uh, itching to build a Jeep. So when I uh, turned 15, I decided that uh, I wanted to start uh, building one of the Jeeps that he had for the farm, and you know, just a basic build. I was young, didn't have much money, you know, I had a job, summer job, but, uh, just did, you know, basic stuff to it. And, uh, I actually still have that today. It is, uh, now has been through several renditions. It's a full tube chassis, Willie's buggy. And, uh, nice. anybody that's, that has watched the rain of rock series on YouTube, there's a, uh, shootout and I'm part of it. It's the green Willie's buggy that's on there. You've you know, a lot of people have seen it, and it's easy to find if you wanted to go looking for it. But um, still have it, and I'll never get rid of it. But uh, it's a 46 Willys is what it started out as, and now it's a full-tube chassis buggy. That's that's where I got to where I'm at. Just really been working on stuff my entire life, literally. And, you know, just kind of turned into a full-time job. And so at what point did you start rock-solid fabrication where you were making rock buggies and Jeep parts and such? So in 2009... Um, I decided that I wanted to start a business uh, building Jeeps for other people. And really, I guess what fueled that decision more so was, you know, I didn't really have a lot of, of money to pay other people to work on my stuff for me. But I knew that, you know, if I had the tools, I could, I could do it. So I uh, decided, well, if I'm going to buy the tools, I need to at least make money with the tools. And so I bought a really nice tube bender and a, you know, plasma cutter and a really nice welder. And in college and high school and stuff, I took a lot of engineering classes and learned um, drafting. So I, you know, I'm really good with drafting software. I'm really good with geometry and math and that kind of stuff. And uh, so I started making, you know, really high end intricate parts that worked really well and um you know there's a lot of engineering that goes into stuff like that and people you know the average person will look at a bumper or you know a suspension setup and like oh that looks cool but they really don't know you know what all went into that and what it took to create that and the final product and you know how many times you know how many revisions you made to get there and uh so i was always really good at that and so um in 2009 i started rock solid fabrication and, uh, you know, I was doing a little bit of everything from race car, chassis repairs, mostly, you know, we had a dirt track, uh, not too far from us. And so, you know, people would crash their car and they would hit me up to fix it or whatever. And I'd, you know, replace tubes that got damaged or whatever and fix the chassis. And, uh, we'd do Jeep work. So custom bumpers and, 
you know, custom lift kits. I didn't do a whole lot of, of bolt-on stuff back then. So, you know, we were building our own long-arm suspensions and uh, doing full-width axle swaps and Jeeps and stuff. And, you know, really, for the time, it was pretty advanced. And, you know, I look back on what I was doing then and kind of laugh at it now because it was, in, you know, by today's standards, pretty amateur. It's, uh, you know, the, the passion just continued to grow. And I was able to build a really good name for myself for turning out quality work. And um, as that business grew, um, another guy kind of started more of a retail business in town and, uh, you know, Jeeps and trucks. And so in 2013, he uh, asked me to do some contract work for him. Was so, this uh, was this Tom's, uh, Tom of Tom's 4x4 yeah. Superstore? Okay. Yes, exactly. So started working with him and that became more of a full-time gig. And uh, so I would run, you know, the rock solid fab, on the evenings and weekends and, you know, spare time and, you know, do custom fab work and stuff at night. And then sometime around the middle of 2018, Tom started showing interest in moving and uh, wanted to move to Montana. So he bought some property there. And, um, you know, really, I, I had progressed into a full-time employee there at the, at the time and was a shop foreman. So I was over all the employees in the shop side of the business and ran, you know, just kind of took, you know, took control of that. And, um, so in a way I just kind of fell right into the position of moving into an owner. Um, you know, I'd already had ownership experience with the rock solid fab deal and had done really well with it and was able to bring that to the table. So that was my contribution to the business and we merged the two together and, you know, I also kind of felt obligated to the other employees that were there because if Tom left and nobody bought the place, then it would just close. And so I didn't want to see that happen. And, of course, the other employees didn't want to see that happen either. So I just took the steps to, to keep the place running. And we have pretty much tripled um, in size and in gross sales. Wow. Since, good, good, uh, good on 20, you. Since 2019, um, I took ownership July 1st of 2019, and since then we have um, really changed the whole view of the business. Um, I wouldn't say it was bad before, but I mean it's just. Uh, oh, has grown hold on, that hold much, on a second. So. They're, they're, they're cheering. They're, they're cheering for you. Now <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've, I've got a question. Hold on, this guy in the back yet? A really, uh, really burning question <laughs> in my mind. Okay, uh, do they ever walk in and ask where Thomas? You know, it's funny because people come in and they'll be like, uh, this one guy called last week and I guess, you know, back in the day, Tom let him have like an open account where he could just <laughs> put stuff on it and pay and pay as he wanted. And, and, uh, and you pointed to the like, sign that hey, says under my... new management. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is my account still open? And I'm like, uh, what are you talking about? Who are you? And, uh. He's like, well, yeah, just just ask Tom. He knows. And I'm like, you don't know that Tom is not here anymore. I haven't been here in years. Well, I want to talk to your boss. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. well, so well, I, I think yeah. you guys should all wear uh, shirts that the name is Tom on it. And then that way, when people ask for Tom, you can just tell them the spirit of Tom is alive and well. So, funny thing, we actually had a shirt for a while that literally says, I'm not Tom. <laughs> That's all it said on Very it. nice. I'm not Tom. 
Very nice. So it's pretty funny. And Holman, to give you some quick backstory here, Tom's 4x4 Superstore, they carry brands like AEV. Um, never heard of her. Pa- Amp, Airlift, no, no, Backflip, no, Banks, don't know any PDS, of them. Banks, Banks Force, never heard of that one either. Dynatrack, Baja Designs, Best Top, Dynatrack Bulldog, is not a quarter of a mile from my house. ARB, Edelbrock, RCV, Falcon. No, so we've never had any of those people on the show ever. I'm just ever. saying, so it's not like a little tiny shop in the corner of Chattanooga. Like, it's a legit store. Huh. Yeah, we have a um, about a 1,200-square-foot showroom. We have seven bays in the shop, seven lifts. We do um, in-house alignments. We have a Hunter Hawkeye Elite alignment machine, so we're doing you know real real high-end stuff. Uh, it's definitely not amateur hour when you walk into our shop. It's uh, it's very professional, and you know that shows in the quality of work that we do and. You know, if you, you check out any of our social media pages, we're always posting builds and stuff on there, what we do. And, and you know, I like to say that we're very well-rounded. Um, we do everything from a simple bolt-on lift kit, wheels, tires, and lights to, you know, full-blown custom builds. Um, and we have our own product line, some really cool stuff that we've introduced as well. I, we Okay, I don't know. I, I know uh, you guys are into Jeeps as well. I, I'm not a big Jeep guy. I don't have a 42 GPW or a 392 in the driveway. <laughs> yeah, I heard about the 392, so we got <laughs> one of those as well. It's pretty awesome. But uh, one cool thing, you know, everybody likes to swap one-ton axles into their Jeeps, and a big a popular thing is to use the 05-up Super Duty axles. Well, the problem on the new JL Wrangler and JT Gladiator, they have a – for lack of a better term, very smart, very advanced ABS system. And the uh, sensors are not compatible with any other vehicle other than a Ram 1500, the new Ram. So our first shop, JL, was a 2019, and we bought some axles from Fusion to go in it. And uh, I got the Reed Super Kingpin knuckle set up, 1550 RCVs, you know, just – Really went all out, checked all the boxes. The problem with that set of axles was there was no solution for a front ABS. And uh, our tech industries was working on some custom unit bearings at the time that were supposed to fix the problem. And, uh, you know, it was COVID times, and they could not sub, um, secure a good bearing manufacturer that could make anything that was actually going to last. So they had you know, three or four batches of bearings that were just no good and they wouldn't sell them. So here I was stuck with a set of, you know, very expensive axles that didn't even really work right in the Jeep because there was no ABS. So I reached out to a lot of companies and, you know, tried to figure out how to uh, jointly come up with a solution. And really nobody was willing to work with me, honestly. Um, You know, it was going to be too much trouble, too much of an investment. And so me being, you know, engineering background, I was like, well, there's got to be an easy way to, to do this. So I actually came up with a design that is a tone ring that presses on to the backside of the wheel hub. And so it's just a, you know, round ring and it slips over the back and then the rotor goes over the top of it. There's an adapter bracket that's machined out of a billet aluminum and it plugs the Ford ABS hole in the unit bearing while also mounting the Jeep ABS sensor so that it can read that tongue ring that presses Dude, on. That That is so, – I, I have friends right now in the industry who are working on other products with similar issues with tone ring, ABS sensor incompatibility. 
that is not an easy hurdle to overcome. That, I mean, that that is, there's a lot of work. I, knowing from experience, you put a lot of work into making that happen. I, I thought about it for weeks. I mean, how, you know, how can I make this work? And the older sensors, you know, they don't really know direction per se. They just know that it's counting teeth. You know, as it is rotating, it's counting the teeth as they go by. Not the new well, ones. The new ones actually know direction. So it knows. There's some encoding you know, that's on the newer, uh, I, I think Bronco uses them and maybe even Toyota, where, yeah, they know direction and you. it's not a simple swap for the tone ring like it used to be. When you say encoding, what do you mean? So that the uh, sensor can pick up things like direction. And so what, it, before yeah. you would just swap out the number of teeth and you can make a tone ring and mm-hmm. you'd press it on and the sensor would count it. Well, now the sensor and toning have to be compatible to each other. It's not a generic. Like, so I wonder, are the teeth like slanted a certain direction so it knows? No, I don't know if there's. I don't or? know if there's a if they're magnetized or if there's like a one tooth that starts the process or what. I don't know enough about it, but I know that yeah, there's. Like, it's it's more so in the sensor. So the the way that the sensor itself is internally designed, it knows the direction that the ring is turning. So the ring itself. It's nothing special. It's just teeth. Um, but the number of teeth and the spacing of the teeth is critical. The complicated part was you couldn't just mount the sensor in any direction because it had to see the wheel turning in the direction it was actually turning. So it, the sensor has to be mounted in a way that it knows you're moving forward when you're moving forward. And it has to be able to count the proper number of teeth with the proper spacing in between the teeth. So it's a little complicated. And then to take, you know, a tone ring that is, we'll say male, so the teeth are on the outside, and scale that up while also inverting it, so making the teeth on the inside, was rather complicated. And um, I spent, I, I guess, about $1,200 having two rings machined and two brackets machined and uh, put them on my Jeep to test it, and it was a hit right out of the box. I made, they worked, didn't have to change anything. I made like one or two little revisions uh, just for, you know, a production quality part and uh, patented the, the design. And so now we sell that kit. I mean, we've sold hundreds of those kits to people, I mean, all over the country. Um, we've sent some to South America. East Coast Gear Supply buys them from us. So if you ever buy an axle from East Coast Gear Supply and get super duty outers, then you've got our ABS kit. It's pretty cool. And they were, I mean, I, there's, they sell faster than we can make them. Um, right now I've, I've learned to keep them in stock. So, but there'll be uh, times when, you know, we'll have a hundred on back order. It's pretty crazy to see something that, you know, I developed to get, get shipped all over the country. I mean, it's nothing compared to what you know, other companies do, but for me, it's a pretty big deal. Another big milestone that we reached was we were the first company in the country to develop a, a replacement roll cage kit for the new JL Wrangler. So, um, I know everybody knows Lauren Healy. Oh yeah. Yep, so yep. he had a, a black JL that was a 2018 model, um, sponsored by Nitto tire. And, um, he sold it, and the guy that bought it got in touch with me to build a roll cage for this Jeep and built one. And, of course, nobody had ever done that. Nobody had ever taken a brand-new JL and cut it apart and put a different you know, roll cage in it. 
And so built one, put it all over social media. And then a gentleman uh, from Texas in Austin, he called me and was like, hey, I saw that roll cage you built. I want one, too. <laughs> so that's how it I started. Said, well, yep. <laughs> I said, I can't build you one and ship it to Austin, but if you'll bring me the Jeep, I'll build you one. He brought the Jeep like the next week. I mean, he just said, all right, I'll be there. And he showed up with it. So I uh, had taken a bunch of notes when I built that first one. And I thought, well, that was a good thing I did. And so I made the second one. And this time I thought, well, the hard part's already done. I need to move into, you know, production on this as well. And so I had a gentleman come and 3d scan it and we took all that data and, uh, basically build a 3d model in solid edge or, and I think the first model was built in solid works. And then, uh, my manufacturer that builds my cage kits, he uh, converted that to solid edge and that's what he uses to, uh, bend all the tubes and stuff. They have a tube shark that they use. And so he, bends everything and then i just pick them up on pallets and and that's that's that so i mean we were first to market by a year i mean it, we, we've had we've probably have 15 or 20 um cage kits on you know out in the wild right now and we're always adding new stuff so i have four different variants of that kit and then there's options as well so like a rear cargo shelf and um, you can retain the factory seat belts and um, that was another big thing is the new jeeps are just so dark like they're just really advanced and so you've got you know a lot of sensors up top and you have to retain all that stuff there's microphones there's um rfi antennas for your keyless entry and all that and that's all kind of mounted to the factory cage and you you know you have to keep all that if you want to make sure everything still works and not yeah, have lights on the dash yeah. and all that yeah exactly and you know a lot of people say well i don't care but to me, I do care because yeah. it's you know these jeeps are not cheap. Well, and it's easy and to do it the it's easy to do it that way uh, rather than doing the right way. That's fine if the end user doesn't care and they've got lights on the dash and the thing doesn't work. I would care, but it the, would drive me crazy. Well, that's what I would say. Is it like why why not do it the right way and that way it shows the acumen you have for making modifications. We can give you everything you want and not take anything away. I think that shows. You know, exactly. Way more about your your ability as a business than it does to just start cutting wires or not have a GPS antenna on top or your Sirius XM doesn't work or or whatever. There's nothing wrong with having those features. And like you said, the those vehicles are really uh, really advanced from the factory. I, I hate compromise. I mean, in some instances, there's no way to get around it. But you know, I try to minimalize it, and I always try to plan ahead. And we do a lot of work with people that just. Oh, I don't care. They say that, and I'm, and you know, I'm never going to need that. And I, and I say, well, you say that today, but these things are, these are ever evolving projects. They're never done. And so, think about where you might be a year from now. You may completely change your, you know, the direction of your build. Any time that we do something for a customer or a client, we, you know, always try to plan ahead. We we try to make sure that we're not shooting ourselves in the foot, so to speak with future endeavors. I guess that's part of the engineering background is just making sure that we're thinking, you know, four steps ahead of where we currently are. That way we don't have to backtrack. Well, speaking of engineering, let's get into engines because you're, you're doing roll cages, but that makes you sound more like a quote unquote 
fabricator, but you're dealing with electronics and engines. And from our earlier conversation today, when we were just chatting about you doing an interview, you alluded to the fact that you were doing 6-4 swaps prior to the uh, Hellcat swap. So tell us a little bit about how you got into the swaps and the electronics and making it all work well, right. And, and on that line, also, you have a great video on YouTube where you kind of talk about the difference and reasons of why you would do a Hemi-based swap versus an LS-based swap. Uh, and I think that that was really interesting. I think people who want to do a swap and they're torn between the two, I think you've got some insight that would be great to to, uh, to hear. Yeah. So okay. So modern modern Jeeps and any really any modern vehicle, they all communicate off of the CAN bus, which is Central Area Network. And and there's different bus. You know, some of them are PCI, some of them are uh, land bus. They're they're different communication protocols, but just for simplicity's sake, everybody refers to it as CAN bus. But you know, older vehicles. You know, like you hit the button on the dash for the air conditioning, and there's actually a wire that runs from that button to a pressure switch and then to the compressor, and it turns it on. Well, modern vehicles are not set up that way. When you hit that button, it sends a signal to the body control module that sends a signal to the ECM that then looks at the pressure sensors and decides, is it okay or not to turn on the compressor? And if it's okay, (laughs) then it turns the compressor on. Right. So it's much more complicated. You know, in that YouTube video, we talk about or I, you know, I spoke on why to not do LS in modern Jeeps, and that's because, you know, the the language that the General Motors, you know, LS platform speaks is not compatible with the language that the Mopar stuff speaks. So they're basically speaking, you know, four languages to each other, and they, they can't talk. So there are some companies that make um, aftermarket modules for um, – you know, basically interpreters, they, you know, take the signal from one and convert it into the signal for the other and then back and forth. So that's, that's how that communicates. But the thing I don't like about that is the fact that now you have this proprietary module that if it were to ever go bad, and let's say that company went belly up and was out of business, you're just SOL. Like you're not going to be able to just go to AutoZone and buy another one. And so that's what I don't like about it. Um, older Jeeps, you know, anything really um, 04 and older before CAN protocol became the standard, they don't really, it doesn't really matter in those because there's easy workarounds for anything that you would need to do. But in 2005, when they actually implemented CAN bus, um, that's when it got complicated. And so our general rule of thumb in the shop is anything 05 and newer, we only do Hemis in if it's a, you know, Mopar. And then anything older than that, we can do either or. When we first started doing V8 swaps, we worked with American Expedition Vehicles, and we would buy their Hemi conversion kits for the JK platform. And we probably did about 25 or so of those kits. And uh, we're kind of a outside-the-box thinking business. So we didn't, you know, while 6.4s are cool, the AEV tune on the 6.4 platform was really mild, and they did a lot of things that I didn't like. Um, the exhaust manifolds, for example, that they use, are they're a really restrictive design, and you lose some power there. So we were one of the first shops to uh, develop a header package for that, and uh, then we were the first shop to tune an AEV uh, ECM. So... 
we worked closely with HP tuners on that and was able to um, get into it and uh, do a custom cam package for a 6.4 with headers and, you know, full exhaust and custom tune and picked up about 100 horsepower over what the AEV package was out of the box. So Yeah, you got to remember, AEV is trying to do OE style, right? So they're trying to keep it as reliable and stress-free as possible while giving you the power and all that kind of stuff. And and even AEV, I mean, there was probably, what, Burnsville, AEV, Dakota, five, six, seven shops back in the you know, late 2000s, early 2010s, I don't know, I guess maybe even, yeah. you know, second generation JK, where nobody really had everything dialed, where you could put a big Hemi in there and you could put a, a 6.4, but because the transmission tuning wasn't great, they made a lot of noise, but they just didn't really feel fast. And sometimes exactly. in the early days, it was actually better to get a 5.7 truck Hemi with a manual because you get way more out of that than you would from a 6.4 automatic until people started getting smart to the tuning and stuff like that. So there was always potential left on the table, I think, because especially companies like AV who are trying to make it as durable and reliable to OE standards versus some of the aftermarket shops that are trying to give you the most power possible as a toy. Oh, 100%. Yeah, we, we did them both ways, and but it just really kind of set us apart. You know what I mean? Like any, It was like any shop could put an AEV six four swap in your jeep you know that's just a it's a kit yeah but then what set us apart was being able to take that kit and improve upon it so that we still had the reliability that aev was known for you know they use tier one suppliers for all the parts all the cnc bent ac lines and the cnc bent exhaust and the trans cooler lines and all that stuff that was all OE manufacturer parts, and they're just super nice kits. I mean, the quality was second to none. You know, we would take that and just tweak it a little bit. It's kind of like if you just a little bit better. It's kind of like you if you were to get a three ninety two today and then take it somewhere to get it tuned in headers and exhaust. Right, you're still starting with that kind of OE platform, and it just makes for a really good base vehicle to start with because 100%. you know that it's there's nothing janky about it, and there were. There are other manufacturers out there doing swaps, and I saw some of the jankiness that went into <laughs> shoehorning. Yeah, I, I fixed many. Uh huh. Yeah, I mean, but, you you would know for sure, but I mean, just even like what they were using for a radiator or a fan, or to your point, you know, AV had these CNC bent lines. There was not that on some other ones, and so yeah, you could get this kit, and they're all about the same price. I mean, it's twenty five to thirty five thousand dollars to do it. But the quality of work from one to the other was not the same. And so you get in, you push the button or turn the key and you fire it up. They may sound the same. And for the first year, they may work the same. But when you start having those problems downstream and you can't use an OBD2 tool or a Chrysler scan, a star scan tool to figure out what the issue is. And then the parts aren't available from, you know, the the manufacturer uh, because they went out of business. And all of a sudden, you know, you can't just go to a dealership. That's what sets it it apart is being able to service it down the line. Absolutely, and so that we you know really liked using the AEV kits, and you know unfortunately they don't make them anymore. So we we've had to move on to uh, other manufacturers. But let me ask uh, you, you spoke on the three ninety twos. Oh, Tyler, one second before you move on. At that time when you were building your headers, did AEV ever see them? Did they ever say? And, and acknowledge how you were altering or potentially improving the kits? No. So um, Paul was my salesman, 
he's unfortunately passed away a few years ago and um so we lost a you know good, a great good dude. asset yeah with a solid solid guy and uh he knew about it and thought it was great but you know i think that they kind of knew that the end was near as far as their you know hemi conversion stuff and it just they never offered it as a package, but I think that more more so goes back on what you were saying about using OEM parts and OEM reliability. Because I mean, let's be realistic: a set of cast iron exhaust manifolds are probably a little more durable and less likely to crack than a set of aftermarket headers. So that that really goes back to you know their their business model was a little bit different than what you know we were shooting for, and so. Uh, now Kooks makes uh, the swap headers, and they're really high end. And when we do a JK conversion, we we typically try to use those on them. Um, we've never had any issues out of them, but it's just crazy what all you can do with this. And you know, you spoke on the 392 uh, JLs, and I was the first person in the country to do a cam swap in one. Um, my buddy Seth from uh, up in Johnson City, Tennessee, he. He bought one and a thousand miles into ownership, he brought it down and we uh, developed a cam package for it. And uh, we still sell that today. And we're working with um, American Racing Headers. They dropped uh, a new set of long tubes for them. So we're going to be developing our next package for those. It'll be a stage two deal with that basically takes our stage one cam package and adds the headers and a converter, um, higher stall speed torque converter. And just a couple other little things. So, we're all you know we're we're trying to be on the forefront of development, um, and just you know having packages that work. You know things that that really benefit our customers, not just something that's you know just cool, but it has to work, has to function, and has to be to an OE uh, quality standpoint. Where is all this stuff fitting in as far as emissions compliance? We- we stay 100% emissions compliance. We don't delete, you know, catalytic converters or anything like that. Um, we keep EVAP systems 100% intact. You know, obviously we're not carb approved, but, you know, everything that we do, we don't delete anything as far as emissions. And that's a big thing. Um, I think, you know, even the people that like horsepower still want to be green. And, you know, we're seeing all this stuff with electric vehicles coming out. And, you know, that's not for me. <laughs> but at the same time, um, I like to be clean. You know, I don't, I don't see any reason in damaging our environment when we can do as much, you know, make as much power with emissions as we can without. And you see that a lot in the diesel industry now as well. You know, these companies are figuring out new ways to still make improvements in power and torque and reliability while still being emissions compliant. And that's, that's been an amazing thing. I know it's been a really, really difficult thing for a lot of companies. I know that, you know, the EPA really cracked down hard over the past few years on a lot of diesel companies. And it, it's, it's a terrible thing, but at the same time, it has pushed us to be better at what we do. And so there's you know never anything wrong with innovation and being you know becoming better never settling for good enough and so that's that's my standpoint on it um and you know it's it's built a good name for us so when did you start uh, hellcat swapping and what is the most power you've been able to put into a jeep my first hellcat conversion actually started off as an aev 64 
the, the client ended up, we did one tons and 42s. And then that, that six, four, that once seemed like a powerhouse, no longer really felt like a powerhouse. I mean, it would move the Jeep fine, but it, you know, still was kind of gutless once those tires were on it and stuff. So I just was joking around with him one day and I was like, we ought to put a Hellcat in it. And the guy looked at me and he said, can we do that? And I said, well, yeah, we can do that. And he said, well, let's do that. So <laughs> very nice. <laughs> we, uh, we found a good uh, low mileage takeout from a wrecked car. And um, I said, you know, you're going to be bored with this. This is only like, and his 6.4 was actually one of the ones that we had done a cam package on. I said, this is only going to be about 100, 150 more horsepower than what you already have. And, you know, you'll like it at first, but you're going to get bored with that too. So, <laughs> Is that weird? Like I, I remember and when I had the uh, our, our when I worked for Motor Trade, we had the long term TRX. After a year, the TRX just felt normal, and a how Raptor dare you? and a Raptor felt slow. And now that I have my <laughs> my uh, my three ninety two, um, you're gonna tell me it's already feeling slow? I mean, it's not slow, but it's it's just you're used to it. I can loaf it, and and it it like never goes so above 2000 rpm but so you've gotten used to cracking and heroin and now you move on to uh <laughs> fentanyl, fentanyl. No, no. <laughs> it's just it's just weird like i i you know i have to temper myself and be like it's 470 is more than enough and really it just comes down to at this le- power level i like the fuel economy i don't want less because i only have a 21 and a half gallon tank and i like to make it to vegas on right. my tank so tell us about this engine that you ended up swapping in just a low mileage Hellcat, and we did um, basically a 10% lower pulley, a 285 upper pulley, um, intake, headers, 1,000 cc injectors, and custom tuning. And we were able to make, well, it had a cam package also, so we made right at 1,000 crank horsepower with that. And so he went from a 550-ish horsepower uh, 6.4 to a 1,000 horsepower Hellcat. And uh, we had uh, Eddie down at Southern Hot Rod in Louisiana build us a uh, War Viking Max Nag 1 transmission for it and put that in there. And that thing is just a beast. It is by far the most badass JK that we've ever built. I mean, it's it's just an amazing build all you know, all together. It's got uh, big long travel ORI struts on it and custom suspension that we built in house. And I mean, it's, it's just the whole build is just done right from one end to the other. And it's, it's really just been an honor to be able to put something like that together, but did that one. And then believe it or not, there was a school teacher that was ironically in the same little town as him. They didn't know each other. She didn't know about his Jeep. He didn't know about her. It was just a, a giant coincidence. But they uh, had a, a JK on 43s that they were wanting to engine swap, and they uh, reached out to Ian Johnson. Everybody knows who Ian Johnson is. Oh, yeah. He'd been on and, a show. Uh, yep. So they reached out to Ian and uh, said, hey, we want something that's extravagant. We want something that's reliable. But overall, it just needs to be badass. And uh, – you know, what should we do? And so he kind of pointed them in my direction and uh, gave them my phone number. And so they reached out to us. And at, at first they were wanting to do an LT5, you know, new Corvette engine. And uh, that whole conversation of LS versus Hemi came into play. And I was like, just trust me on this. 
I can do, you know, do you a thousand horsepower Hellcat package. It'll be more reliable. You'll have less trouble out of it. And, you know, everything's just plug and play. It all talks. And so they agreed. And uh, so we did that one. So that was the same conversation came up. Or do you want 700 horsepower or do you want a thousand horsepower? And they agreed the thousand was much better than 700. So we did the same package on it as we had done on the first one. Fast forward a few more years, and we got our 2019 JL Rubicon, and it was going to be my wife's daily driver. And the idea <laughs> That's was, how it always starts. Yeah, here it goes. Here it goes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, you know where this is going. Yeah, you know of course. Exactly where it's going. Uh-huh. So anyway, it was going to be stock axles, trust, you know, re-geared axle shafts. We did RCVs front and rear, 37s, and that was going to be it. I mean, just – basic, simple bolt-on build that could be, you know, reliable in the woods and you didn't have to worry about trailer and and you could drive it to and from and so on and so forth. And I guess last, well, in the 2019, maybe it was the beginning of 2020, I got a, I found a really good deal on a Richard Petty's garage built 426 Hellcat based stroker. (laughs) And it came with a built AHP 95 from a Tricock. And, uh, I was able to do some horse trading and, and, uh, I, I can't say what I got in it because everybody would like come hunt me down, (laughs) but it was little or nothing. And, um, you know, what better to do than to put that in our, JL, so of you're, course. Like, you're like, honey, look what I got. Yeah, exactly. Like, <laughs> you're gonna have a thousand horsepower. Cool. Well, I was, and I tried to be smart about it. We didn't want to kill reliability, so we bought those uh, fusion axles that I spoke on earlier and uh, put those in and did the Hellcat conversion. And we work with Dakota Customs on that stuff. And keep in mind that. Hellcat swaps in new model Jeeps are not something you see every day. It's a relatively new conversion. And the way that we used to do it several years ago, we would basically run a Hellcat off of a 6.4 ECM. And so it works, but the downside to that is no wide bands. Um, You also don't have uh, bypass valve control built into the ECM. You don't have uh, multiple map sensors or you know they're they're t-maps so they measure temperature and manifold pressure so you're really limited on tuning and it's not as reliable and then you know the trx ram truck came out well it turns out that they uh work on the same communication protocol as the jl so it's um i forget what it's what it's actually called but anyway it's the newest one so that system is compatible with the Wrangler as far as communication. So all your, your gauges and your uh, radio and everything, they all still communicate. The BCM is all you know compatible. And so we started working on a conversion using that. We were probably, they did one as a test mule, and then we were the next in line. Like we bought the parts and worked with Dan out there on developing the kit. And we kind of, you know, brainstormed together back and forth on what would work and what wouldn't work. And we're always sharing ideas. Hey, I did this. What do you think about that? And back and forth. And it's great to have a relationship with a a company uh, to be able to 
you know, do it kind of your way and then provide feedback back and forth. And so we've, we've helped each other out tremendously and it's, it's been a great relationship to have with those guys. But one problem that we run into when you're on the forefront of product development is sometimes you run into hurdles and I, I, I know both of you know all about that, but, um, we had an issue with uh, the wideband oxygen sensors not functioning at all. We had everything else online. They were, you know, everything was working. And uh, long story short, it was just an issue with firmware programming. But that took five months to figure out. Mm. And so, you know, my wife's Jeep, that was her daily driver, I tore it apart in the end of May with aspirations to have it finished up by April. Um, I had the three, six out the Hellcat engine in it and running in two weeks. So that was the easy part. And then it took five months to dial to, to get to a resolution on the O2s and, and we got it fixed and everything works and it's fantastic now, but it, it just, sometimes things that seem so easy are just way more complicated than the average person really understands. Um, you know, there and Dan is in South Dakota. So I ended up making a trip up there with the Jeep and leaving the Jeep there ultimately and to let them, you know, kind of brainstorm on and, and we got it figured out, but you know, people wonder, you know, you know, we get the questions like, why are these swaps so expensive? Well, it's because they cost a lot of money to develop and, you know, we're not making hundreds of thousands of these things like, you know, Mopar makes, how many thousands 392 jeeps i mean they have to to make it affordable and so they're expensive because it's you know, worth it making, yeah well, it's worth it 100%. <laughs> that's why they're I mean, so expensive <laughs> but you're making 100 kits not 100,000 kits you know and it's it, it's just the cost is more because of that but but that engine now um it has a factory supercharger on it with a 285 upper and a 10 percent lower and makes uh, 1100 to the crank. Wow. And that's all on pump <laughs> gas, 93. Uh, you like destroying transfer and, cases, don't you? <laughs> well, so that you bring that up. That's the other benefit <laughs> of using a TRX operating system is that it actually has tables for, uh, like, basically extreme torque management in 4-low. And nice. we can edit all that and dial it in to, you know, your, your preference, essentially. But... Um, you know, I have ours limited to 500 foot pounds of torque in low range. So basically 392 numbers, um, just to keep from blowing transfer cases out of it. Yeah. Imagine and, that. Uh, on the street, you know, you don't really have to worry about it too much in two wheel drive. Um, the 241 is a really robust transfer case. So as far as like, you know, two wheel drive doing burnouts and stuff, you're probably not going to hurt it, but four low would be, uh, that would be where I would be worried about it. So. How do you guys differentiate yourselves from some of the other guys out there? Like, you know, obviously America's Most Wanted. Those guys are friends of ours, too, and they, they've got, you know, they do swaps and all Jared that. Out there. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, uh, Jared's, uh, you know, he's got a really great thing going. Um, what, what makes us different is the fact that we are able to do more aftermarket stuff. Um, you know, Jared sells kits that are 100% complete. You know, you can't buy a kit that doesn't come with an engine. So, you know, if you're looking for a complete turnkey package where you make one phone call and say, 
hey, here's my money. I want a Hellcat conversion for my Jeep. That's exactly what you're going to get. And you're going to get every piece, and the, the quality is awesome. They have a really great product. We've done um, some installs from them, and, and it's fantastic. But for other guys who are kind of like me where they got a really good deal on an engine and they want to use that, you can't do that with AMW. Right. And so that's that's the kicker. And I get it. I mean, nothing against – it's absolutely nothing against Jared at all because he warranties his product. And he obviously can't do that if he doesn't know where the engine he's came not from. providing you with a brand new engine. Right, you know, he can't he can't give you a warranty. So it makes perfect sense. That's just how his business works. But with you know Dakota Customs, we're able to, you know, kind of provide our own parts and then get the kit from him. And there's pros and cons to each. I mean, I'm not gonna say one kit's better than the other, but like there's some a little more custom stuff with uh, AMW as far as, you know, he makes some really trick motor mounts and, you know, you weld these new mounts into the frame. And then, you know, Dan has bolt-in mounts that you don't have to do any welding. So if you're, you know, trying to do this at home, you can, you know, if you can't weld, you can still do the swap. And so there's, there's just little, you know, little differences between the two. And the, but the biggest being you can buy bits and pieces or piecemeal your kit to fit your needs if you buy from Dakota and if you're looking for more of a turnkey package, that's drop it in and plug it up and you're done. Then, you know, that's where AMW really shines. So, you know, no, both great, great companies, both. Yeah. It's great to hear the differences from you guys and, and find out sort of, cause I, I know there's guys listening who have always dreamed of doing a swap. There's probably guys who are listening who have been saving money and they, they don't know the differences. They don't know who to go with. So that's, that's a great overview of sort of the well, and, and swap it, industry right yeah, now. And it's nice that you don't have to just shell out all the money. You can do it over time. You can literally do it in your garage the way he's describing. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing with AMW it's, they cater more towards um, like shops that are dealers for them. Sure. And so people that, you know, come into a shop and say, Hey, I want a Hellcat in my Jeep. They can buy a complete kit from Jared. That'll have, you know, every single teeny tiny piece that you need and you put it in and you're done. And um, the, the kit comes with full exhaust, for example, I mean, front to back, but the guy that, is on, you know, a double triangulated four-link rear and three-link front and coolovers and all that, well, that $2,000 AMW exhaust probably isn't going to work. It's going to end up in the scrap pile. And so it's just, there's, like I said, pros and cons to each. And I feel like when you really start trying to customize the vehicle and it's not just kits bolt-on stuff anymore, that's where the Dakota stuff really comes into play because you could call them up and be like, Hey, I want the whole kit, but I don't want exhaust because it's not going to work on my Jeep and you can buy it that way. And so, you know, it's just, they cater to a little bit different market and, um, you know, they're both awesome. I mean, they, they're both uh, tunable packages. So, you know, AMW uses HP tuners and, um, you know, we, when we do kits and we work with uh, Dakota, like I said earlier, we, we're pretty tight knit and we work together a lot. And uh, so all of our kits that we do, you know, we kind of build them to fit our customers' needs, but we're able to tune those as well. It's it's pretty pretty much open to whatever you want to do. Love it. Well, dude, congratulations on the success. I'm glad that we had a chance to hook up. You've got a lot going on. Can you give us all the places that people need to check out? So your socials, 
uh, from Tom's, yeah, YouTube, URL. Well, let's break it out by like what they do. So the retail operation is Tom's. So what's Tom's? So Tom's Four Four is our just retail brick and mortar store. And then as far as our brand, um, Rock Solid Fab, when when we merged the businesses together, that became more of a parts brand and custom fab work. So pretty much anything that gets welded, that's a Rock Solid Fab part. And then we sell that brand through our Tom's brick and mortar retail store. Gotcha. Okay. And so that's that's how it's broken down. So here's the line. I think this is the correct phone number. Tell me if I get it wrong. 423-619-4085. 423-619-4085. That's the Chattanooga, Tennessee location. They're on uh, 4036 South Access Road if you're in that area. Or just go to toms4x4superstore.com. Give them a shout and uh, just, I think probably the best is just handle it over the phone because you can get your ride customized exactly how you want. If you want to do a, just parts or a full-blown engine swap, they can do it all. So I think, um, damn, Tyler, you've been busy the last couple of years. <laughs> yeah, we've we've really put in the work, man. It's uh, It's been a ride. Well, look, we appreciate your time. Absolutely. We yeah, loved absolutely. It. I appreciate you guys having me. It was, it was nice talking to you. I really enjoyed it. Congrats again, and we will uh, we'll catch up soon. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. You All right, brother. It. Have a good one. Thanks, Tyler. All right. Bye-bye. Holman, I have a very serious question for you. And I have a very unserious answer. What's new in trucks? I don't know. What's, What's new, new in trucks? trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. What's new in trucks? We need to know. Lifted, lowered, and everything in between. What's happening in the world of trucks? Ah! Clean. Clean as a whistle. I saw you look at the last minute at me thinking I was going to do something different. It was funny. I wasn't sure. I almost messed you up. Hmm. I like it. It turns out I do know what's uh, new in trucks. Uh, Do you want to see the world's ugliest F-150 lightning? I mean, no. No. Not really. I mean, lightning for lightning... Uh, or lightning against lightning, I, I, I choose you every time. <laughs> oh, that sucks. Yeah, it's this has got to be really ugly, because I am no treat. It's a, uh, it's a Let's retro. Oh God, what is that? <laughs> yeah. That is uh, Captain America's. No, uh, it's not Captain America. What no is blue. that? It's a white truck with a traditional Ford OBS red stripe, and the entire lightning grill is red, and the seats are white vinyl with red inserts. Oh, dear God, oh, that's and po- ugly. And polished chrome wheels. Who did that and why? And uh, can I smack them upside the head with my wiener? Well, apparently there's a, uh, <laughs> that would be assault. Uh, and you'd be on a list where you'd have to report in Probably, like, yes. on a regular basis. Uh, it was spotted at a Ford dealership in Wakanuda, Illinois. Wait, say that city again? Uh, Wakanuda. Wakanuda? Wakanuda. Wakanuda. <laughs> nope, that's my Sharona. It's not even close. Yeah, it's, uh, why? <sighs> Does it say why? And was the guy who designed it fired? <laughs> I don't know. This is a base <laughs> lightning. Or is he in prison? Pro work truck. Uh-huh. Uh, and, uh, was it an April Fool's joke? No. No, I, I, it would be great if it were. It's pretty. What happened? Pretty ugly. Uh, apparently the uh, truck starts at fifty-seven eight sixty-nine, but uh, apparently uh, was that l- one is like thirty-five bucks. Learned from uh, the truck's owner that uh, the interior- the truck has an owner. The interior and exterior upgrades uh, put him back 
in total with the truck and the upgrades, about $67,000 for that. What you talking about, Willis? <laughs> uh, I mean, mm, I'm, I'm, I'm not saying I love it. Because I don't. <laughs> no, you don't. No. no, you're cringing right now. Yeah, it's it's not mm. great. What's okay? I have a question. Okay, you have to drive that or a pink Honda Ridgeline. Which one are you driving? Pink Honda Ridgeline. Woo! <laughs> I mean, it's pretty ugly, dude. Wow. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Moving right along. Hey, lighting. Did you hear? I don't watch the news because I'm a kid. No, I nope. <laughs> Don't know. I play the whole thing. It's so funny. <laughs> it's, it's funnier when you play the whole thing. I mean, the, the whole thing's funny, but I'm a kid <laughs> and I don't watch the news. Yep. Where did you find that? I don't even know what that's from. Uh, news clip. That's hilarious. I was combing some old news and found it. So you might be surprised to find out that uh, Honda is now making a new flatbed vehicle that has 500 more pounds of payload than a Honda Ridgeline. I, why would you? That's better, right? Oh, yeah, that's better. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Unfortunately, while it looks like it's the shape of a pickup truck, it's uh, it's, it's it's not a. What does it look? Truck. Oh, my God. That's a scooter. Wait, what? It looks like, it's like a, a Cushman. It's like a, a, a new Cushman. This is the Honda Autonomous Work Vehicle Prototype, and uh, it debuted with a 2,000 pound payload. I saw this in a Pixar movie. I think it's kind of cool looking. I mean, it does. It looks like, oh, like it's got a face. It's like more. Oh, that's cute. It's more pickup than Ridgeline. I don't say pounds. cute very often either. No, you don't say it not often. Look at that. I would, so I, you can't stand or sit in it and or drive it because it's autonomous. And it can go up to 10 miles an hour and 10 hours between charges. Hmm. So as truck owners, that's not useful for us, This this vehicle thing. Uh, it might be around your uh, your ranch or yeah. your shop to bring you things like sure. uh, a transmission and engine combo from a diesel. So, do I have like an, a remote control, like an RC car? Well, I don't know. All I I'm mean, saying is that Honda has something that's got more payload than a Ridgeline that has a pickup bed on it. Yeah. This is more of a tray bed. It's but, more of a flatbed, yeah. Yeah. I'm still mm. going with it. Okay. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? Nope. Uh, more info on the whole uh, Lordstown debacle came out, and it sounds like uh, it only has enough money to make about 500 more electric trucks. And then they go and, out of business? And then they're done. Oh, geez. Why why even make them? Uh, because they're trying to attract more investors, I would imagine. At this point, who's going to invest? Uh, I'm somebody who wants a deal, I guess. I mean, they've mm. got a product, right? All the R&D stuff's been done. Uh, they've got manufacturing. They just don't have money for inventory. I can't recall. Is Lordstown public or not? Uh, I believe they're owned by Foxconn now. Uh, um, the Chinese company that makes all of our phones. Yep. Hmm. Yep. So... Uh, yeah, Lordstown, uh, not uh, not doing great. Hmm. Hey, Lighting, did you hear? No! Nope, I don't think so. GM Turbo six-cylinder truck engine project canceled. No! That's the guy that spent like four years working on it. Yeah, probably. So, and GM's no stranger to starting engine programs and killing them. Uh, the baby Duramax is probably the best example sure. in recent memory, the uh, the 4.5 liter. So basically, we talked about it in last show or a couple shows ago, how that 2.7 liter four-cylinder was made with diesel technology in it to make it super robust. And so they were working on a six-cylinder version of that four-cylinder, which would have been about four liters. It would have put out around 500 horsepower and a little over 500 pound-feet of torque. 
I think it would have been more because if the four cylinders top is 430. Yes. So maybe, well, could you imagine a 500 horsepower turbo straight six that had like 700 pound feet of torque? Amazing. Would be amazing, right? Absolutely. But I think they figured from what I've been gathering on the internet, uh, we talked about how the sixth generation uh, small block family, uh, the V8s have been moving forward. And with Ram having their twin turbo six, I think uh, GM said, listen, we're known for our small block V8s. We can make these things uh, last into the future, and uh, we're going to go that direction. So, I mean, GM is their trademark is V8. You know what I'm saying? Like it's 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 their thing. Yeah, apparently they were in the uh, planning stages. Do you think that they say that is their thing? That's our thing. No, well, I, I, mean, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, apparently they're in the planning stages of their new turbocharged six cylinder. The power plant would have been part of. Uh, GM cylinder set strategy, which uh, would have aimed to optimize engine development and production through economies of scale, which is, I think, why they were basing it off the uh, wildly successful four-cylinder. Um, but uh, I, I think that, you know, the V8's the right choice for me. And if a truck, I just, I like the V8. Yeah. Although the straight, listen, if I, I've always said, if I can't have a V8, I would do a straight six all day long. Love straight six. But your GM, does it feel right driving a straight? I mean, I guess maybe the three liter Duramax is sort of that direction, but I think that we it doesn't sound as cool don't as a V8. like and, it, but I think there are plenty of people that are happy with it. I think there's it plenty of people be, yeah. who don't care. Yeah. That, I, mean, I guess that's what I'm saying. Because they, don't, they, they wouldn't don't have care. bought EcoBoost if they yeah. cared that much, right? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Maybe it's a differentiator, uh, but I'm happy to see the V8 stick around I am a little while stunned longer. how many people love. The LM2 and the LZ0, which is the three-liter Duramax. They love it. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I, I'm not saying anything bad about it. I'm just saying I didn't expect there to be that many people that enthusiastic about that platform. And I, some of it, I think, is because the truck is just – they did a really nice well, job the, the truck's with a lot truck. better, especially it, the 23s with the new interior and oh, everything. Oh, the 22 and a half in the current ones are gorgeous. They but, but, such a nice job. So they wrapped the engine in a really good package. Yeah, but the engine is also way different because it's a brand new clean sheet diesel, whereas you're looking at the Eco Diesel had been around since, you know, what, the early 2000s? Yeah, it's a Viamatori, right? Yeah. An Italian look, engine. And you look at the Ford engine, which was what the old Lion diesel from the UK, which they, they were good at what they did as a stopgap, but- they weren't anywhere near as modern. They weren't as power dense, you know, per you know cubic inch or per liter. They didn't have that, you know, from a, a instant pedal response and, and turbo lag. None of that was as good as the modern engine. The straight six and the GMs is just an absolute pleasure to drive. It's so smooth. It's so quiet. The range on it, like that's a great road trip vehicle for sure. I don't have much experience, so uh, I will defer. Uh, they're awesome. Hey, lighting! Did you hear? No, wait. No, I, I don't believe so. Uh, it turns out uh, automakers are starting to drop AM radio from EVs, which on the surface you think, well, why? And then maybe secondarily you think, well, that's not that big of a deal. But two things: AM interferes with, uh, or the electronics interfere with AM radio, so you get a lot of buzzing and noises from the electronics. So they're doing it for that reason. But if you think about it, more than ninety percent of people living in the U.S can be reached by AM radio. So in an emergency, AM has always been the band that you would use to get information out to everybody. But the thing is, most people don't have radios outside of their cars anymore. Right. Uh, So now it's even more important to have AM radio in your car. Yeah. Interesting. Quandary. Because that might be the only only way. Uh, So anyway- uh, Well, listen, in like some crazy nuclear war, 
all you people in your electric cars, you ain't going anywhere anyway. <laughs> Us with our diesel trucks. We're mountain. Well, we're at least go, until you can make. We're gonna go up to the mountains. You know what I'm saying? We're gonna be safe. We're going to the high desert. Find diesel again. Well, we're. I mean, we have guns. We'll go get diesel. <laughs> okay. But getting electric, I can't. You and I can't go fire up the uh, the coal burning power plant to generate electricity for our Tesla, right? We but can put we solar can, panels. We can go. Oh, come, it please. would take weeks, but yeah. you can do it. <laughs> come on, you do it, and then we'd go Way 300 to, miles. Okay. It'd be no better than zero miles because you're, you're not near a refinery. Better to get. Diesel. Listen. Well, wait a minute. Hold on a second. Oh, geez. Hold on. Now it occurs to me, how do we get the diesel out of the ground if the pumps aren't working? Well, there you go. Oh, crap. That's what I'm saying. Shoot. You just have to find a dude. Hey, Bob, come here. Suck the diesel out. You just have to find a dude that has like a 50-gallon drums and just drive them around. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. But then it's going to get all stale get the story. and, and uh, algae in it. <sighs> hmm. Yeah, there won't be any more auto zones for... Uh, Algae off for your diesel <laughs> right. fuel. Uh, several former federal employees, according to uh, The Drive, have uh, written the Secretary of Transportation, Pete uh, Buttigieg. 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 Whatever the hell his name is, yeah. uh, which isn't going to do anything because I'm not sure he can read. Um, but uh, they are uh, warning him of the potential consequences of AM radio discontinuation in new vehicles. And they advise that by dropping the radios, drivers could be unreachable during times of local or national crisis, which I think that's huge. I think in the world of cost cutting and all that, uh, you probably don't want to do the things that allow you to communicate because uh, if the cell tower goes down, bad plan. It's sort of like on so the- So as much as you don't like AM because it's your grandfather's medium, it might actually save your life. I like listening to it on baseball and stuff. I'm good with it. I don't. I still listen, but to I it. think it's ne- it might be necessary. It is necessary. It's just like this: the, the Navy, where they all these people learn how to navigate by GP uh, by GPS. Well, GPSs can be spoofed, so they started what two or three years ago reintroducing navigating by sextant on like modern you know uh, uh, warships because it was a skill that had been lost, and it's it's like manual transmission. Although I recently saw that something like fifty percent more manuals were bought in the last two years. Well, than I was hoping you would bring that up in your news. Yeah. But, uh, so that's no. a whole, all right, we'll move on to that in a okay. second. Hold on. All right. Anyway, so uh, with the launch of the uh, F-150 Lightning, Ford reportedly axed AM, and uh, the drive reached out to Ford and didn't hear back. So um, Antoine Johnson, a uh, current FEMA official, has uh, was quoted in the article saying, AM radio has been tested over and over again during the most devastating natural disasters and has withstood all of them. Um, so anyway, it, it sounds like plenty of EVs still have them. The Hyundai Ioniq 5, the Toyota BZ4X, and the Chevy Bolt all have them. And uh, according to Nielsen, 47 million people still listen to AM radio out of, what, 300 million in the country? Yeah, so, I call BS on that. Really? Well, they're over 100 years old if there are. Well, I mean, they, there's no way. They matter just like you matter. No, they don't. They, they do, though. They don't matter. You've heard Eat All the Old People, That's one right? of the greatest songs of all time. I Where can people find that? You can't because of the copyright would be. I know. No, you know, Didn't actually. Did you get sued over that? We, the copyright? No, 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 no. No one got sued over that. That's a local band, Eat All the Old People. That was such a great Look song. Look it up. Let me see. It's on YouTube. Hold on. I think it is on YouTube because I, I found it before. You won't be disappointed, or you will, but it's awesome. Uh, you got to look it up on YouTube. You got to eat all the old people. Shove them in an oven. <laughs> it's out Some of context. Of you yeah. just just go listen to it. It's, it'll, it'll definitely make you giggle a little bit. Eat all the old people by no time. There There's the lightning pick. 
Is that your yeah. your musical pick of the uh, week? Yeah. Remember when I promised everyone we'd have musical picks? Yeah, and then and I uh, just bailed. Yeah, it just turned into uh, Dr. Pepper. Well, okay, I'm going to start it back up again, and the, that's the one that's for your, me. That's your lead. Eat off. all the old. I'm, hold on, I'm going to go to Spotify real quick and make sure it's up there. And I'm going to go with uh, Celine Dion. What? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Dear Lord. Uh, so manual cars have uh, reached an all-time low market share in 2020, consisting of less than uh, 1% of new car sales, according to J.D. Powers. Uh, but that's the floor. Since then, there's been a rebound. In 2022, manuals were 1.2%, and in 2023, now running at 1.7%. We're going the right direction, everybody. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Uh, I did my part in 2020. And they're I saying failed. millennials, right? Didn't they, uh, doesn't yeah. it say the millennials I, are behind this? I failed my part in 23. But only because the vehicle I wanted it wasn't available with right. a manual. Most of the vehicles that we want today are not available yeah. with a manual. So anyway, that re- represents a year-to-date rise of 12.2%. And uh, the Wall Street Journal said that it's because more people, uh, younger people, are beginning to intentionally seek out manual cars as opposed to just buying them because they're the cheapest or most fuel-efficient option, which most cases they're not the most fuel-efficient option anymore because you've got six speeds versus ten in a lot of vehicles. I wonder what your friend over at the Manual Gearbox Preservation Society had to Alan do with Macy. this. Yeah. I wonder if he actually was influential because his, his shirts have, his t-shirts have become like... A thing. A thing. I still wear them. Yeah. I don't have the sticker on my non-manual vehicle. Although, I st- before everybody jumps all over my ass, just listen. You still have I a manual. I still have a manual. I know. The GPW is a yeah. manual. So mm-hmm. leave me the hell alone. I got three pedals. All right? I didn't sell my soul and sell myself out just because I could get a Jeep with a 470 horsepower V8. Although uh, I did. Yeah, you did. You but, actually, and you I did. feel dirty about it. Yeah. Can I tell you something? This is a, a God's honest truth. Five times out of 10, I forget to put it in park. And, that could be dangerous. And they also jump, jump into, no, because it has an auto thing where it'll flash and it puts the solenoid, does it anyway, because it's okay. not connected to the trans. Okay. And there's times where I push in the non-existent clutch pedal to start it. You just like, push on the brake or you push in No, air. The floorboard. The floorboard. <laughs> like I get in and I go to push down the clutch and, it's not, and I totally forget. Huh. You should install a dummy pedal just for like make your sanity. I, it's just, it's. They make dummy pedals? Well, they make dead pedals okay. for those, but not not a clutch pedal sitting mm-hmm. there. But it's just weird. Like I will catch myself and I'll go the next morning and there it is sitting in drive because I, I don't, I'm not, I'm just not used to it. Hey, don't do that anymore. Super weird. Don't do that and anymore. And the car will flash at you. The Jeep's like, hey, dummy. Hey, you, dummy. Yeah. <laughs> I've never, knock on wood, I've never done that. Yeah, well, you probably haven't had a manual in a long time. It's been a decade, yeah. Although I am, uh, I'm getting the bug to buy a, a really, really inexpensive something, and I don't know what. Did you see what I drove? Did you see what Brian at SoCal Tint let me borrow? Uh, it was a, let me explain. If you were around <laughs> in the 90s, uh-huh. and you knew what a crisscross jacket was from the band Crisscross. Mm-hmm. It is a Ford Edge that looks like a crisscross jacket. You're thinking of Cross Colors. So Cross, there's two brands, Benetton no, and no, Cross no, no, Colors. No, no. The, You're thinking of the band Crisscross. That's what I just said. What I know, but cross, I literally just said that. But hold on a second. But that's different. Crisscross, they wore their jackets backwards. You're thinking of Cross Colors, which is the clothing brand that did the crazy color on the on the uh, on the Ford Escape or whatever. Maybe that's what driving. it is. I don't yeah. remember. I just remember there's uh, some rap band that had those loud colors on something. Yeah, I mean, crisscross wore loud colors, but not like my car. Oh, okay. Like, this is absurd. 
So Brian, who owns SoCal Tent and 44 Industries, where uh, we have our some of our wrap stuff done, our Expel. Uh, there, I just pulled it up. Cross colors jackets. That's it. Uh, it looks like it looks like those top jackets. Yeah. Okay. With red and yellow and yeah. See, that's why I said yeah. cross colors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. All right. Sorry, I, I apologize to the uh, fashion sensibilities of crisscross the band. That's mm-hmm. that was my uh, aging memory failing me. Because you remember they wore their colors. jackets backwards, yes, right? And their yes. pants backwards. They the were little, yeah, the little was, kids was bouncing weird. around. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I go out there. I bring the TRX out because we're going to put on some ten mil, uh, the thicker stuff, the way that you did on the three ninety two. So we're going to rip the bed sides off and we're going to go. You didn't from, just layer over. You ripped them. We started from he, scratch. I asked him. Wow. I asked him. I said, "What do you A think we do?" And he goes. We should start fresh. Wow. And then I called Chris at Expel, and he goes, start fresh. I go, okay, that's on you. I was just going to put little patches on. He goes, yeah, if you're going to just do it, do it right. Okay, so that we are. Dropped the truck off there last week, and Brian says, oh, you know what? You can just borrow my Bronco. Bitchin'. Yes. He's got a really rad lifted Bronco, all the accoutrement. The accoutrement that you will need. Accoutrement. And then I show up. He goes, here's your, uh, here, here's our loaner car. He goes, I picked it up for like five grand. And they were using it as a test to show what all these metallic wrap uh, materials sure. would look like. On so they have panels. pink against green, against yellow, against red, That's against orange. That's funny because when and I every went panel to, is now, different. No, 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 listen. That's interesting because when I went to Brian and SoCal Tin, I also got a loaner. You did? A Bronco 137. So no, you didn't. Uh, yes, I did. Are he, you serious? He handed me keys to his Bronco. <laughs> So this is a super humorous to me that you got the old edge. <laughs> yeah. Because he gave me a nice so Bronco. So you have no idea. People have been photographing me. They were photographing me on the 605 freeway here because it's yeah. so ridiculous. You're now part of many memes. Do you know what I ordered on the way here on Amazon? Uh, a mask. A clown wig. Seriously, a rainbow clown wig. Uh, I ordered something <laughs> on Amazon too, but I'm not going to tell you what it is because uh, it's for you in the studio. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. Should I be yes. worried? Yes. Really? Yeah. Is it a partition between you and I? <laughs> oh, yeah. Definitely not far <laughs> enough. Um, no, it's just, um, I'll just, it's a visual cue. It's a visual cue. Just a visual cue. Is it insulting the way I no, would expect no, no, it to no, be no, from no. you? No, it's not insulting at all. Okay. No, it's just a, a visual cue. Just a visual cue. All right. That's it for uh, news. We should get into some inbox. You email? Yeah. Who's going first? Uh, you can go. All right. Oh, you gave me a whole stack here. Damn, you guys have been busy. These are all coming into uh, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, or were they to yours or to mine? Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. All right. So you guys know you can go to truckshowpodcast.com and you can email us from that website. Travis Torturage, uh, I'm screwing up your name. Sorry about that. Um, writes in about uh, Nissan Frontier. Built for light overlanding. Found him. You have to see the license plate. That's our. That's the uh, frontier. Remember, I I said find him on Instagram because that's the dude who bought who built the new frontier overlanding style. That I'm oh. like we want to get 
uh, that guy on the horn or check out his trucks, and he found it for us. Okay, so hello, Lightning and Holman. During a recent open house at an outfitter called Spirit of 1876 in Castle Rock, Colorado, I saw this incredible-looking Frontier. I'm curious what you think. Personally, I think it looks great. I wasn't able to talk to the owner, but I will see this truck again, and I will get their contact info for you. And he did. He found it on Instagram, and we're going to have to reach out. He followed up way better than uh, than we ever do. Damn. That thing looks good. Did you see the photo? Uh, yeah, it's awesome. That's the one that he sent me, and I was like, dude, who's, well, we, uh, I need to know more. It's one of the nicest bumper? looking Frontiers. Yeah, whose I'd, bumper is that? I want to know whose well, we, we bed, have a, bed rack that is. Easy. We have a thing. We have a thing. We'll go down that road later. Okay. We have All a right. thing. Okay. All right. I got this one here from uh, Eli Helm. says, shake my head. Dear Lightbug and Hornet, found <laughs> this while scrolling through Facebook. It feels like an EPA trap. And- Check this out. This is an ad on Facebook, and I want people to understand that this stuff is happening. Explosive Diesels is the name of the account, and it's sponsored. It says, get the original H&S Minimax Delete Kit for your 06 to 12 Ram Cummins, 03 to 15 uh, Power Stroke, and 07 to 14 Chevy Duramax plug-and-play tuner. Comes with DPF, DEF, and EGR Delete Tunes. And it literally says, Delete Kit, all over it. Just so you guys know, don't fall for this stuff. This, well, this is when you say fall for it. What do you think this is? The government. This is somebody from the EPA who's trying to entrap you into buying those products, and then you'll get in trouble. It's too good to be true. You think that some company named Explosive Diesel, and then their ad in giant block letters says "Delete Kits," and the things they're bringing up is all the stuff that's been fined in the past that people are like, "Oh, I sure wish that was here." Like this is this is. Dude, this is not cool. You think this is real? Do you want my real opinion? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Yeah, I don't think so. I have had conversations with guys who do this stuff and they know how illegal it is and they believe that they can get away with it because they put up... There are a couple of these companies... I won't where's, name them. Where's the tuner coming I, from? I won't. The t- so the, the tune. Nope. They're showing a Minimax tuner yep. as part of what you're getting. You can still get the Minimaxes. They're still out there. Okay. And you can get the tunes to load in it because they're stolen from guys like Corey. They're yep. old. I, right? I think you guys are playing with fire if you go down this road. You, you absolutely I'm are. Just, I'm just saying. But you, I don't believe this is the EPA fishing. I believe there are guys that are putting these sites up. They keep them up there for about 90 days, sometimes more. They sell as many as they can, and they pull it down. I think the government is aware who these guys are that are behind this. And when I say these guys, it's like it's, you count them on one hand. Like the people in the industry know who these guys are that are running this site. And a couple others like it. ExplosiveDiesels.com. Tuners and exhaust systems at an affordable price. We only sell top quality lasting products. Uh-huh. Yeah, and let's you. see where the contact info leads to. What state no, are they? It's going to be a form. Please tell me it's uh, California. Oh, 403 just to... area code. Well, hold on. There you go. 403 is going to be. We ship anywhere to USA or Canada. Oh, uh, they're a Canadian. Yep. This is going to be Canadian. Yep, there you go. The Canadians, um, there's some guys up there that don't mind. Uh, they don't think that uh, the EPA can stretch over the border. Well, they're going to be rudely awakened. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm, I'm just saying, listen, maybe it's legit. I think it's scammy. I think our uh, our listeners thought it was scammy. Uh, don't, just don't do it. 
Don't do it. You guys are playing with fire. I know you guys love it, but I'm just You know not, what's crazy, dude? Worth it. Is how many guys are deleting every single day. Yep. Tomorrow, tomorrow, yep. after we record this, there are going to be 100 trucks deleted across the U.S. Oh, I'm sure. Bonkers. Anyway. It's bonkers. Uh, he says, keep up the... <laughs> he says, keep up the work. <laughs> uh, and then mount, her, <laughs> mount her the parameters and yeah, buddy. Uh, and as a bonus, I'm going to give you Dave from work. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> that's, that's, seemingly super random. That's Dave, our electrician. Okay. Thanks, <laughs> he, Dave. He was saying it. He was like, every time. I, so Dave is up on the uh, scaffolding doing some high voltage stuff at work. And I'm like, Dave, you need anything? And he's like, nah. And I'm like, you got this? Yeah, buddy. And he said it like three or four times in a day. I'm like, I got to record one. So there it is. Oh, guys, says Sam. I've got an event for you, if you don't mind. Of course, we don't mind. So bring them on. Email your events to us, by the way, truckshowpodcast at gmail.com, and we will add them to our event calendar, which is filling out nicely. Have you seen? I added some I more. Okay. I have. Uh, September I've seen 20, it. No, you did not. Uh, September sure did. 21st through the 24th will be the eighth annual Land Cruiser Meet and Greet at uh, Windrock Park in Oliver Springs, Tennessee. This event was started by three guys, of whom I am one, on I Hate mud.com it's i h eight m u d.com who owns 70 series land cruisers who wanted to uh put faces to names on the forum eight years later we've grown significantly and this year will mark the first year we're making it a paying event love to have you guys attend if you feel like seeing some rare trucks in the u.s at least go to truckshowpodcast.com go to the events tab you'll find out more about this 70 series land cruiser event in uh windrock park in oliver springs tennessee Thanks, Sam, for uh, giving us the tip. Anyway, uh, hey, Lightning, this one you're going to love. This week, the suckage meter broke from John Gregg. You can hear it sucking. Uh, <laughs> hello, I've been a longtime listener, and it's been a while, but I've emailed a few times. I used to have the Murano that was a truck trade-in. Stuff happens, and now have a Chevy Equinox. Just glad to hear Lightning got a truck. Long story short, COVID, new job, or three, wasn't able to listen for like a year, been caught up since November. Congrats on the new second gen of the show. Speaking to that, this week's show was the worst one yet. Probably the worst podcast I have listened to this week. So, Lighting, your job is safe. Instead of the crap you did, maybe you should have interviewed or tried talking trucks to temp co-host Mike Rice instead of your drank no eight and I believe skip the info and thanks to the people paying your way unless it was an upload problem. I'm probably being too hard. Been up 15 hours, but this show is a waste of time to me. Maybe it's just me. But keep that <laughs> up and I can see it being... a a Remember the Truck Show podcast. Lightning, it's your fault. Without you there, Sean dropped the ball. Maybe next he goes live and asks people to call him and ask him questions. Last show, minus five stars, but for now, I'll still give you five Emmy stars. Five star review! Five stars! Bye for now, John Gregg. Well, you know what? Bye forever, John Gregg. Oh, no. I what love a, John. What a dick. No, see. Listen, Mike filled in. The, no, 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 no. the way that you read it was like, rah, 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 rah. No, that was the tone. So, John, screw you. <laughs> that was the- John, I love you. That was We're the, brothers from another mother. That was literally the only bad email we got. Lots of people thought Mike was funny and the podcast was good. And it's nice to uh, just, uh, you know, be lightning free for a little bit. No? Wow, you sound like a douche right there. Oh, man, that sucks. Yeah. Listen, Mike did a good job. You guys have to realize, on la what day did you call and tell me that you were dying? Like Tuesday? 
I don't know. You didn't have much Wednesday? notice if that's what you're getting yeah, at. Yeah, and, and it's like, well, let's get Mike in there so that we can at least do a show this week. I felt and fine, but I no, was I'm tested. Not... No, no, I tested positive, so obviously I'm not going to come yeah. down and affect you and your family. Yeah, thank you. Right. You know you, I mean, mean, you tried to that day because you had a serious case of FOMO. I, I almost did. I got, I I got my negative down. test. I'm coming down. It's like, yeah, no. Yeah. No. I was you like, dude. a couple days, and if you're good, you're good. It's but... like I got HIV, you know what I'm saying? It'd be better if you had HIV uh, because true. I couldn't get it. Well, well you easy. could. It depends. You start bleeding on me or something. <laughs> yeah, well, you're easy. You're sitting a little far away from me, you know what I'm saying? Anyway. I, I can reach. Anyway. I'm, I'm willing down. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> uh, listen, Mike filled in. I think you did a good job. Without Mike, you guys wouldn't have had a podcast that week, and we like giving you guys podcasts. I think it's what he's saying. He would rather have gone dark. Well, he didn't have to listen. And yet he listened to the whole thing because he's like, I have to, I have to watch the train wreck. Yeah, I think Mike did a great job. Thanks, Mike Rice. You rule. Thanks for filling in for Lightning on short notice, so that we could continue delivering a free quality podcast to our listeners week after week without fail. Lower the suckage. We can't. <laughs> it's not possible. You Even know when we add new people, it still yeah. sucks. What can, yeah. I, I, what can I tell you? This one's coming in from uh, Matt. How would you pronounce this? Weish? Weish? Weish. We already talked about that. Okay. He's, re- he's written in before and we argued about his name. So. Okay. I'm just going to say Matt from now on. All right. right. Hey, guys. Update from my last email. Looks like the same day I sent this email, the new bank's gauge pods were released. I ordered a double and it arrived the next Saturday and I installed it last night. This is an amazing piece. I had to decide whether to leave it black or painted and decided to paint it. It looks like OEM. So I'd purchased a defrost vent style gauge pod and he's talking about a pod for his eye dashes uh, for a different vehicle a few years ago. Although in theory, you could buy a Banks uh, gauge pod and use other gauges in it if you had them. You could. Could. Yeah. Yeah. You There's could. guys who might be looking for just a gauge pod solution, and you have that as well. Well, I'm going to do a little wrap up after I read this in, uh-huh. just, in just a second. So he says, um, I had purchased a defrost vent style gauge pod for a different vehicle a few years ago, but I didn't have the best experience. The fit and finish were not on par with the cost, and plus it didn't fit, and it just wouldn't snap in. And neither the manufacturer or the seller would stand behind it. So after that, I didn't want to go down the same road with the truck. And I've been waiting for something worthwhile to come out. And this is it. The pod turned out so much better than the rough 3D printed pods. Here are some befores and afters. And then he says, parameters, mount her up. Mounted parameters. So what Matt is talking about is the new iDash Stealth Pods that we have on BanksPower.com, and they're originally designed to house the iDash, the iDash Super Gauge and the iDash Data Monster, 52-millimeter round gauge that uh, we've talked a lot about on the show. We really weren't happy with the suction mount. It works, it's, you know, it's universal, fits everything, but, like, guys wanted something to it integrate. It feels temporary. It feels temporary, exactly. So we designed a line of these pods to integrate in your factory A-pillar and allows you to keep your grab handle. Not like a lot of the old school ones, like your old GMT 800s, right? Where the guys would replace the entire A-pillar and put like four gauges in there and stuff. You don't have to get rid of the whole A-pillar. This just integrates right into your factory A-pillar and you can paint it to match and it looks it yeah. looks stock. Or it's black. Yeah, or it's black. It, well, because a lot of the new ones have a black interior. Yeah. You've got kind of that charcoal gray, you can paint it to match. We've got banksproud.com slash paint where you can buy all the paints as well. Anyway, they're up there and uh, they're up for grabs. We don't have a lot of them in stock. I'm trying to get more in right now, but they look bitching. All right, one last email. This one from Ben Jones. He says, uh, hey, light stick and holy man. 
After having to scold one of the guys I work with today, I had thought for a segment that y'all could do, which would be very informative for the normal at-home mechanics out there. Today, I caught one of our guys struggling with a four-cylinder Cummins with a high-pressure common rail injection system, cracking injection lines in an attempt to get the air bled from the system. As I would assume you are aware, this is a huge no-no, being that the common rail system can produce upwards of 30,000 PSI. This guy could have very easily injected himself with diesel or chewed off a healthy section of his flesh. Gross. Yeah. 30,000 PSI. Yep. Thought it would be nice if you could get someone on to talk about the differences in mechanical injection versus common rail systems and the dangers related to both. From a mechanics perspective, I think that's pretty cool. Hmm. I think it would be valuable to anyone who works on their own diesel stuff or even the novice professional diesel mechanic. Thanks, guys. Five stars. Congratulations. You have earned five stars. And hashtag the jizzlent. Uh, P.S. I'm not Trucker Jones. P.P.S. As a side note, I also thought it would be neat if you had Colton on from Certified Wrench Podcast. He's really more into the construction side of the wrench world, but I think he can give uh, some interesting perspective on what life is like for someone who works on diesel equipment out of a service truck, which is also a great hmm. idea. So, yeah. okay, done for now. And uh, that was from Ben Jones. So, uh, Ben, thanks. Yeah, I don't know. Like some diesel service truck guy where you're where you're wrenching on heavy equipment out of the back of something like that Wanabara guy that's on Gold Rush and uh, mm. some of the shows, something like that. There's got to be some dudes out there who have like you know, are they fixing stuff at gold mines or or oil fields and big diesel? I, I mean, it's, it's truck adjacent. I think that would be cool. I think everything we do is uh, truck adjacent on this show. You mean on the uh, truck adjacent show podcast? <laughs> yes. Truck show podcast at gmail.com. Email us, won't you? The truck show, the truck show, the truck show. Oh, oh. There's so many different emails. Truck show podcast at gmail.com for anything general. Holman at truck show podcast.com. Lightning at truck show podcast.com. You can even call us. We want to hear from you. 657 205 6105. Nope. No, that's right. That's right? Yeah, that was right. Wow. Six, five, seven. I, I tricked myself. 205, 6105. Yeah, I yeah, thought, and it. then I had a second thought. Yeah, call us there. Listen, do that thing. You know what? You don't You don't have to give that number out really anymore. You know why? Because you go to Instagram. You can, or you can go on Instagram, or you can go to truckshowpodcast.com and click on the yeah, contact page. All right. Well, you can hit us up uh, there. You can also find us at LBC Lightning, at Sean P. Holman, or at Truck Show Podcast. And uh, dude, we want to hear from you guys. Give us a give us a message. Give us a call. Give us a shout. Leave us something. DM us. Slide into Lightning's DMs for some banks discounts. Whatever. Just uh, we want you to be part of the show because we love you. So Holman, I want you to go to truckshowpodcast.com. Uh-huh. All right, and then I want you to click on Project Trucks. Yeah, I, I was there earlier in the week. Good job. Oh, you saw? I saw the uh, 392 up there. Oh, there you go. What'd you think? I thought it was good, but it's I about, was, it took all the spare time that I had this week. Yeah, I was looking for the F100 to make it. It'll go up there. Well, then here's the thing. You should just, I know what you should do. Take a picture of it under the tarp with all the dust and crap on top of it and just post it. And then when you click on it, nothing happens. It's just a dead photo. <laughs> that way people can see it exists. I should do that. And I, it'll be like a museum. I'll just go in and click in it every once in a while. Yeah. I'm hoping that this uh, podcast makes gobs of money so I can get that thing done and on the road again. Did, did, does it have a um, does it have an Instagram? Mm-mm. It doesn't. Nope. We'll see. It has a Facebook page. I where I I don't have any information about it. I that's why I said you should just take a picture and have it like just all cobwebbed over, sitting in the dusty. Seriously, it looks like uh, the warehouse at the end of Indiana Jones where there's just dusty boxes. Mm-hmm. One of those boxes is my truck at Banks. Hmm. I think is the best way to uh, to put that. Yeah. All it right. Is um, 
It's sad. All right. Uh, I don't I don't want to belabor that point. Yeah. So listen, you guys need to head over to truckshowpodcast.com, click on the uh, events tab, and you'll find out that uh, March 24th through 26th, we got the Prospector's 4x4 crawl up in uh, Calico Ghost Town here in uh, Barstow, California. From March 31st to April 2nd, you got the Florida Truck Meet in the Homestead Miami Speedway. From March 31st to April 1st, you got the Hemmings Tailgate Throwdown. Um, down in NOLA Motorsports Park in uh, Louisiana. And then, of course, uh, coming up, Easter Jeep Safari from April 1st through April 9th in uh, beautiful Moab, Utah. So Lightning will be uh, at Florida Truck Meet. I will be at Easter Jeep Safari. And uh, keep those events coming. But you guys can check out. We've got all sorts of stuff populated through really Dude, the end of the year. You didn't even get close. Look at how many more there no, are. I know, but I'm just doing the ones that are within the next month or so. Oh, I got gotcha. you. So, uh, if you want to know more and plan your uh, your week or add your uh, event to our calendar, just uh, shoot us an email and we'll get that up there for you. Truckshowpodcast at gmail.com. How'd you like that read? That was, uh, <laughs> I'm not sure what you were doing. I was I like, he's just walking I up don't know where to a cliff mm. and- and I was wondering if you're going to jump off or not. I did. Mm-hmm. No, you're still here. No. All right. Uh, we have to thank Nissan. Thank you, uh, Nissan, for uh, supporting the Truck Show podcast for uh, five years. Oh, dude, you know what this is? This show is our anniversary. Five years. We made it. T-H-A-K-Y-O-U. Thank you. Thank you. Nissan. All right. Uh, seriously, you guys are looking for a truck. Uh, you want something rugged, dependable, reliable, good-looking, quiet, just all the good stuff. Head over to NissanUSA.com or your local Nissan dealer. You want to check out the Frontier. If you need a bigger truck, the Nissan Titan or Titan XD. They come with the industry's best five-year, 100,000-mile warranty, and uh, you won't be disappointed. In fact, you uh, you might be pleasantly surprised. Not might be. Will be. Will be. Banks Pedal Monster. Uh, normally, there's a lead-in. You're not doing that now? I'm just saying, Banks Pedal Monster. If you hate... Your awful throttle response, Banks Pedal Monster, bankspower.com. Are you saying Banks Pedal Monster speaks for itself? Yes. Unless you're in reverse. Then it doesn't speak at all because it has active reverse safety. Boom! Boom! Yeah, you see how I worked that in there? That was strong. Yeah, bankspower.com. Throw in your year, make, model, and uh, you might be (laughs) uh, shocked to see that not only does Banks cover a lineup of trucks, but they also uh, work on a bunch of cars. A lot of cars. So if you've got a a vehicle, car, or truck. It's stunning how many guys have bought them for their truck, and they put them in their wives' cars. Yeah, because they're sick of pedal latency, Mm -hmm. and lag, and turbo lag, and like artificial, like blah, blah, blah. We... Need one on this uh, this Ford Escape or Edge or whatever the hell yeah. it is I'm driving out here. Oh my God, there's so much lag. Well, th- let's be <laughs> honest. The reason you the reason you need that's because you want to outrun people who are seeing you in it. Just, just <laughs> no, I actually really enjoy people seeing me in it. Mm. I roll down the windows there because Brian's got them all like dark tint. Of course, I roll them down. I'm like, hey, look at me. Yeah, he did. <laughs> take a picture with your clown hat on or whatever. I'm ordered, I, I ordered a clown wig. I know you get the nose too, right? No. Oh. <laughs> No, I'm showing off my my ugly mug. Okay, well, if you need to show off and be seen by people, and it's in relation to your website or your social, you got to check out the guys over at fullmoondigital.com. Talk to Derek and the team. They can help you uh, get out in front of so many more customers. They've helped the Truck Show podcast. We highly recommend them. Derek and team at fullmoondigital.com. But one thing Derek and his team won't do is wear the clown nose. I'm sure he would do it for clicks. Yeah, it's probably true. The Truck Show Podcast is a production of Truck Famous LLC. This podcast was created by Sean Holman and Jay Tillis with production elements by DJ Omar Khan. If you like what you've heard, please open your Apple Podcast or Spotify app and give us a five-star rating. And if you're a fan, there's no better way to show your support than by patronizing our sponsors.
Some vehicles may have been harmed during the making of this podcast.